Hi. Today is Friday, the 13th of February, 2009, and uh, tomorrow is Valentine's Day, so I want to wish all of you a happy Valentine's Day. The first article I plan to talk about is about uh, new tests for breast cancer may help guide treatment choices. And the aim of this research or this test is to identify those who will or will not benefit from chemotherapy. Um, one in eight women in the U.S. will receive a diagnosis of breast cancer in their lifetime. And it is the second leading cause of cancer-related death in women. Now, which if you, if you recall, lung cancer is the first one, which is something we need to talk more about. Um, and I have uh, podcasted about that previously. Now a new test will help physicians determine the best possible treatment for each patient. The research shows that there is a subset of women who can be cured without getting any treatment at all other than a lumpectomy. And this is the, the investigator is Dr. Bernard, an investigator at the University of Utah's Huntsman Cancer Institute and one of the senior authors on a multi-center study published in the February 9th issue of the Journal of Clinical Oncology. In women whose tumors have spread, he stated that um, we can predict with very high accuracy which women are going to respond to chemo and which type of chemotherapy will work. Only recently have scientists known that there are different breast cancer subtypes that lead to differences in outcome. The group narrowed down 50 genes that play an important role in identifying subtypes of breast cancer. By measuring the expression level of these genes in the tumors, they could determine how each individual will respond to standard therapies. This will give women peace of mind knowing that they're diagnosing cancer more accurately than ever before. We can, you know, he, he stated that we can tell them that they are likely to benefit from chemotherapy. If chemo isn't going to be beneficial, they shouldn't be getting it. The research translates into a simple test that will be available nationwide just this summer. That is so wonderful. This test has been validated on thousands of women with breast cancer and has shown to be useful in many different clinical situations. Based on this type of tumor, doctors now will be able to prescribe only the treatment that will be most beneficial. And that's always been kind of the crapshoot, which treatment was the best choice and you know how aggressive to be, um, which drugs to use, and so on. For some patients, that could mean no chemotherapy at all. For others, it will mean targeted treatments that work best for that patient, and they will no longer have to endure needless chemotherapy. Uh, to me, this is just so exciting. Women whose tumors indicate a resistance to current treatments will be referred to clinical trials of investigational drugs and treatments opening the door to more effective medications in the future. The group is currently designing prospective clinical trials using the test, which they refer to as the breast bioclassifier. Um, the research took 10 years to complete and involved cooperation among several research institutions. The multi-center study was led by researchers at the University of, of Utah, Salt Lake City, um, and I already mentioned who the PIs were. Um, but to me, this, this is just exciting work. And, and the reason why I feel this is so exciting, I, I know I've mentioned before, I lost my mother to breast cancer back in 1988 when she was 59 years old. And she had um, bilateral subcutaneous mastectomies where they just essentially moved the breast tissue and then she had implants put in. She did not have chemotherapy. And, you know, this was her physician at the time... Uh, 
did not recommend it, which was kind of contrary because at the at the same time, literature was coming out about doing uh, simultaneous chemotherapy as a prophylactic sort of thing in addition to mastectomies, um, but she chose not to based on her physician's recommendations. And I have often wondered if she may have survived. She ended up dying like six months later. I've often wondered if she may have survived if she'd had uh, prophylactic chemotherapy. And the nice thing about this is that these markers may have been identified early on if she had been a good candidate for chemo or not, um, and even if she could have just had a lumpectomy. So anyway, I just wanted to be sure to share that research with you. And if any of you are diagnosed with breast cancer, make sure you talk to your uh, physicians about this exciting research. The next one is called First time, to me this was really interesting, it's called first-time mothers are at a greater risk of psychosis in the month following childbirth. A study of risk factors associated with psychotic illness after childbirth, and this was published in an open access journal, PLOS Medicine, shows that first-time mothers are at the greatest risk of developing psychosis in the month following the birth of their child, even if they have never been treated in hospital for mental illness in the past. It can be common for mothers to experience mental illness in the postpartum period, which is the months following childbirth. Most frequently, these might involve short-lived cases of the baby blues in the days after birth and mild to moderate postpartum depression in the weeks and months that follow. Psychotic illness, which is a mental condition involving episodes where the individual is unable to distinguish between reality and uh, their imagination in the postpartum period, is relatively rare. Only around 1 in every 1,000 women develop psychosis after delivery, but it is dangerous for both mom and child, with greater risk of self-harm and potential suicide. The causes of postpartum psychosis are not well understood. Um, in this study, they, they investigated the rates of psychosis in first-time moms up to 90 days after the birth of a child and a number of possible risk factors in Sweden between 1983 and 2000. And Sweden has excellent conditions for this research because it has population-based registers covering almost all births and inpatient records. The researchers, therefore, had a representative sample. They were able to identify nearly three-quarters of a million first-time moms in Sweden in this period and found that 892 had been admitted to, to the hospital for psychosis within 90 days of giving birth. And this is actually about 1.2 cases for every 1,000 births. About half of these women had no previous record of being hospitalized for any psych illness. Among the women who developed psychosis, the incidence rate was highest during the first month following birth, and it dropped to a tenth of that rate at 90 days after birth. Furthermore, the research established that the risk of developing psychosis increased with maternal age. Women older than 35 were at two times greater risk than women aged 19 or less. Factors associated with less risk of psychosis in the population of women studied were higher infant birth weights and maternal diabetes. Other factors included smoking and not living with the infant's dad, or they had no or limited impact on the risk of, of psychosis during the postpartum period. That's good. The study therefore suggests that there is a specific risk for first-time moms developing psychosis in the early period after childbirth. The, this finding highlights the importance of carefully monitoring women in the first month after delivery, all women. However, the authors recognize that their findings cannot determine exactly why 
the risk of psychosis is, is greatest in the month after delivery. And they, they posed several explanations, including the idea that women are at greater biological vulnerability due to the profound hormonal fluctuations um, that are going on at that time. And it's, you know, it's, they state that it's unlikely that there's any single explanation and that biologic factors may be independent of, of others. Um, you know, obviously there's psychological and social factors and so on. But I think what brings to light is that this may be something we need to educate the public about. Um, it doesn't mean that normal postpartum depression or, you know, is, is a psychosis. We need to clearly delineate the difference between psychosis and the baby blues. Um, and this is where education is, is so important so that moms feel comfortable in, in getting help as soon as, you know, they start to have symptoms. So anyway, that's all I wanted to share today. This is Dr. Gwen. I wish you health. I wish you happiness. And take good care of yourself. And again, happy Valentine's Day.